Exodus 18, 5-27 Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, came into the wilderness where Moses was encamped at the mountain of God, bringing Moses' sons and wife to him. He sent word to Moses, I, your father-in-law Jethro, am coming to you with your wife and her two sons. Moses went out to meet his father-in-law. He bowed down and kissed him. Each asked after the other's welfare, and they went into the tent. Then Moses told his father-in-law that the Lord had done to Pharaoh and to the Egyptians for Israel's sake, all the hardships that had beset them on the way, and how the Lord had delivered them. Jethro rejoiced for all the good that the Lord had done to Israel, in delivering them from the Egyptians. Jethro said, Blessed be the Lord, who has delivered you from the Egyptians and from Pharaoh. Now I know that the Lord is greater than all gods, because he has delivered the people from the Egyptians, when they dealt arrogantly with them. And Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, brought a burnt offering and sacrifices to God. And Aaron came with all the elders of Israel to eat bread with Moses' father-in-law in the presence of God. The next day, Moses sat as judge for the people, while the people stood around him from morning until evening. When Moses' father-in-law saw all that he was doing for the people, he said, What is this that you are doing for the people? Why do you sit alone with all the people standing around you from morning till evening? Moses said to his father-in-law, Because the people come to me to inquire of God. When they have a dispute, they come to me, and I decide between one person and the other. I make known to them the status and instructions of God. Moses' father-in-law said to him, What you are doing is not good. You will surely wear yourself out, both you and these people with you. For the task is too heavy for you. You cannot do it alone. Now listen to me. I will give you counsel, and God be with you. You should represent the people before God. You should bring their cases before God. Teach them the status and instructions, and make them make known to them the way that they are to go and the things they are to do. You should also look for able men among all the people, men who fear God, are trustworthy, and hate just all his gain. Set such men over them as officers over thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens. Let them sit as judges for the people at all times. Let them bring you important cases to you, but decide every minor case for themselves. So it would be easier for you, and they will bear the burden with you. If you do this, and God so commands you, then you will be able to endure, and all these people will go to their homes in peace. So Moses listened to his father-in-law, and did all that he had said. Moses chose able men from all of Israel and appointed them as heads over the people, its officers over thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens. And they judged the people at all times. Hard cases they brought to Moses, but any minor cases they decided for themselves. Then Moses let his father-in-law depart, and he went off to his own country. The word of the Lord. December 6, 1923. They had met for coffee often, but the way that this coffee session ended would be remembered above any of the others, mostly because of how it would end, as two of the world's most remembered authors came together, J.R.R. Tolkien and C.S. Lewis. Tolkien remembered that in his pocket, he actually had a draft of something he had been working on. In an unplanned moment, he thought, Lewis, would you take this draft, look at it, and give me feedback with it? And little did Tolkien know that Lewis would take that sheet of paper and he would own up 
to that word. Lewis stayed up all night and read the manuscript that he handed to him. He wrote him a letter the next morning, and the letter begun with the words, this is the most beautiful piece I have ever written. And the letter finished with the words, P.S., criticism and line-by-line critique to follow. Two weeks later, C.S. Lewis sends J.R.R. Tolkien 14 pages single-spaced of all the different edits in which he would suggest to them. And a matter of fact, not just 14 pages, but C.S. Lewis actually took some of the manuscripts of the things he wrote and tossed them out and rewrote them. A moment like that for you and I would almost be like a kick in the gut. Like it would take all the air out of us. I remember one time I had a professor that wrote on the side of my paper, I stop reading because you stop trying. Like that type of moment of just reading and you're like, oh. But in history, when we look back at the message that's exchanged between Tolkien and Lewis, Tolkien wouldn't describe that message at all as a kick in the gut. When we get to Exodus 18, we actually find a different message than what we started with in Exodus 4. When Moses comes to his father-in-law, Jethro, he comes to him doubtful. But this time, Jethro is coming to Moses, and Moses has a story to tell Jethro. When Jethro left Moses, he said, go to peace. And All the chapters in between 4 and 18, it is anything but peace. As far as Moses going to Egypt, as far as Moses standing up, as far as Moses leading the people through the Red Sea, all of it has not been peaceful. But by the time we get to 18, chapter 18, the story has come to a close in one end, but it's the in-between before the next chapter is to begin. And Moses recounts in this long account basically the breathtaking work of God that happens. And Jethro finds himself absolutely speechless. Well, he finds himself speechless until he sees how Moses is operating everything now that the people are free. Moses is working from sunup to sundown, still working in the same ways before. There's a story that's told of children reenacting the Moses story. And it kind of goes like this. One child represented Moses and then the others paired off together to be able to pretend to be the people. And the Moses goes up and two people come to him and Moses says, what's your, what's your problem? And he, he says, well, we don't have enough food. And Moses says, well, kill some more animals. And the two children walk away. The next two come to Moses. And he says, okay, now what's your problem? And the two people go, somebody keeps killing our animals. There's a circle that keeps happening for Moses. Moses is working in the same ways that he has before. And this is an in-between time where one chapter is closing and the next is opening. But in between this, Moses is running out of breath, where we actually find a theme that we don't talk about very much in Scripture, that when it comes to the breathtaking work of God, it can sometimes leave us out of breath. 
I mean, think about it. The, the work of God, the hard work of the kingdom is work that takes courage, it takes emotional energy, and it takes adaptability. And Moses cannot see the turn in which he needs to make with the people of God. But Jethro, Jethro sees the turn. And Jethro doesn't even miss an opportunity to actually just play into the stereotype of a father-in-law. Jethro basically is blunt and to the point. When he asks Moses, what are you doing? His response right after in verse 17 sounds kind of like this. Moses' father-in-law said to him, what, are you do- what you're doing is not good. You will surely wear yourself out, both you and these people with you. He comes to a point where Jethro just says it straight to the point. What you're doing is not good. And here's the nice part of how simplistic Jethro is after asking questions and stating this. His statement echoes the words of Genesis. Do you notice it? What you're doing is not good. In Genesis, when God is telling the creation story, there is moments of creation and afterwards God says, it is good. And God creates humanity and says, it is very good. In essence, as Moses who is made in the image of God, every breath he takes, that breath can create or destroy And in Exodus 18, you find a moment where someone outside of Moses takes a deep breath and says, what you're doing is destroying the community. It is not sustainable for you to be able to do this. And when Jethro says this, there is some weight that is behind what he's talking about. Because notice When Jethro speaks into Moses' life, we sometimes talk about in a way that this is an inspiration for like a business article. Like we're thinking that maybe like Jethro is going to give him some advice on how to organize his Google calendar or color code his files. And what Jethro speaks into is weighty because it's weighty to the matters of justice. Because we can't miss what Jethro is speaking into. Now, when we use the term justice, sometimes we hear that word and we reach for synonyms to try and describe it. And one of those would be like the word deserve. But that's not really the sense that the Bible gives when it talks about justice. In the Old Testament, to be specific, the Torah, when it talks about the word justice, it's another way of saying making things right. And Jethro comes to Moses saying, there needs to be a new way in which you are helping the people make things right. And when justice is talked about in the Old Testament, it is always something that's talked about at a level of community. And Jethro, in this instance, is referring to it, that justice can't be on one individual It has to be a community's responsibility. And Jethro says, this is a moment to teach the people, for them to take responsibility in making things right. And in this moment, that's what Jethro speaks to it. And as you've heard in the weeks leading up, this is a moment where we're also speaking to this at Highland. One of the projects that you're going to hear about 
right after this service, if you just stay put, it will play as soon as the sending is over, is you will hear about the embodied project. And even though I'm going to say it just in fewer words, what it is, and you can hear more afterwards, basically this project is a way for us as a community to hear the experiences and stories from those voices of color who have stories of the ways that things are not right. And it's an opportunity for us as a community to be able to take the responsibility and learn and be able to see other people's stories. As David Sessions usually says when talking about this, this is us participating in our baptism. This is us saying as a community, when something happens to one part of the body, the whole body gets the attention of what's going on. And this is our moment in Highland to be able to think about the responsibility and think about how we take justice on together as a community. This is Highland's moment to go next into this process. But for Jethro, when Jethro speaks into how Moses is leading, he speaks by saying, okay, you no longer need to work like Judge Judy. You need to be able to get some trusted people. You need to be able to show these people the way of the Lord. And then you serve more as a supreme court. In essence, those people come up to you when they cannot figure out what is right when solving for the people. And the thing that should get us about Exodus 18 is that Jethro walks into this camp, provides a direction and a new vision, and walks straight out of the camp. Jethro in no way has been with the people through all of their experiences. He's an outside voice. He's a Midianite priest. He has no connection with what the people just went through. But his voice is the voice that Moses listens to, which is so fascinating because if you think about it, all the way through Exodus, God's voice has played a role in moving the story of long, but not in Exodus 18. You don't actually find the voice of God, which makes you have to wonder, can strong discernment from voices outside of you speak just as loudly as God's voice? And if this is just a coincidence, that would be hard to believe because the very next chapter that Exodus says, after Jethro is like, all right, see, I've, I've told you what we're doing. The next chapter is a mountaintop moment for God's people. And I mean, literally, it's a mountaintop moment for God's people. It's the story of Mount Sinai. It's the moment of the Ten Commandments. Jethro's voice is a voice that helps people know where to turn in a turning point of their lives. If we're to use the language of the Rolodex series, Jethro is a breath of fresh air to Moses. Moses finds himself out of breath and Jethro points him in the next direction in which he is going to go and invest in the people. And because of it, they know the next direction. Because here's the thing, when it comes to turning points that happen in our lives, we usually think of just the monumental moments where the switch just happened. But usually, moments where we move towards peace, start with a conversation of having peace, of moving towards that peace. 
that there are people that help us actually receive a moment, a breath of fresh air to be able to see what is next or what way we need to turn next. And this isn't just a story of Moses and Jethro together. This is a story of how God's people are operating and moving together. For an example of it, you have this same moment of breath of fresh air for your life. When we move to John 20, which is this moment where basically Jesus has been resurrected and that Jesus finds himself going back to the disciples before Jesus ascends, John captures this moment that I would describe as a moment of breath of fresh air. It plays out in John 20 like this. When it was evening that day, the first day of the week, and the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the Jews, the, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. And after he said this, he showed his hands and his side. Then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them, peace be with you again. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them. And he said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. When Jesus comes to the disciples, which if you hang around with the disciples long enough to know that their journey is not going to be one full of peace, that as they move towards peace, their lives will become more hectic in a way, that it will be less comfortable for them as they go. Jesus says, peace be with you, and breathes on them the Spirit of God, which has massive implication, because Jesus breathing on them is a moment that reveals that God's breath has the potential to work through our breath. That God can give a breath of fresh air to each of us through the breath of each other. And that that is something that gives us peace as we move towards peace. As we move towards wholeness, as we move towards what God is doing, God has not lost sight of God's mission, even though we've lost a little bit of our sight of what do we do even in these times. You know, there's a story of uh, a guy who was a missionary that was uh, working on translating in other, upper North America at one point. He was trying to translate the entire Bible for this group that had not had it yet. And he found it challenging because as he walked through translating the Bible, there were some per certain pieces that he couldn't quite find words to be able to match with the phrasing. And John 20, the thing that we just actually read, is one of those moments that there was no word for joy for him to be able to use. So he grabbed the closest metaphor that he could find, and he translated it like this. When the disciples saw the Lord, they wagged their tails. That's the best translation he could find to embody it with the metaphor of the language that they had. The disciples wagged their tail. Jesus coming to them, breathing on them, reminding them that he will send them was a moment of empowerment, a moment of excitement. 
They wagged their tail. That's almost like, I would almost sum that up as like, that's the best living dog lover translation that you have there. Speaking of dogs, I've got some friends that are dog lovers. I'm sure you have dog lover friends as well. Uh, I have one friend that actually, they named their dog Taco Bell, which would take a whole worship service just to be able to describe why in the world they named their dog Taco Bell. But you can see on the picture on your screen, this is what Taco Bell looks like. I call this face the... How come I can't have another chicken nugget face? And one of the things that they texted me about with Taco Bell at one point is they texted me this message. They said, Taco Bell has a bad case of happy tail. And I remember as I read that text message, I stepped back and said, can this even be English that a human could type into a message? But I learned later on that actually happy tail is a real thing for dogs. That dogs actually, and usually it happens when they're taking a bath, is that if you don't wipe off their tail and they get extremely excited afterwards, they can actually sprain their tail. And they call this happy tail. And one of the reasons I tell you this is because I want you to be able to see the parallel. When we're getting to the point of where we are in life, when we get to the turning point that is 2020, all of us need to know Who is our person who is a breath of fresh air to us? Who are the people that come into our camp, that give us a direction, point us in the way that God's mission is going, and leave the camp and move us towards it? Here's my answer. That person for you in your life is whoever can give you a case of the happy tale. Whoever the person is that can actually get your tale moving when it comes to not knowing what your next step is in the journey with God. Who's the person when you see them coming, you know the breath of Jesus is in their breath. Who is the person that coach, the person who can call a time out and say, let's regroup, let you catch your breath, but then also point you to, here's how you need to get back on the court and how you need to continue in what God is doing in your life. We all at times can't see around us. There are times where we miss things that we need to be able to see. There are turning points in our lives where we need someone who's willing to be a breath of fresh air to us. Not to be a person that comes in and shames us. Not a person that comes in and says, well, you know what I think you need to do. No, a person that says, here's what I see. And here's where I think you should go. A person who is a breath of fresh air. And one of the things I would nudge us in to think about is that usually we have the philosophy in our lives that our lives are always open to be spoken into. That our lives are, all you have to do is approach me and I will listen to it. My question for you today, if you want this sermon to get very practical, is just when's the last time you've opened it up for someone to be a breath of fresh air into your life. Think about it this way. When a house is really hot inside, what's the thing you do to get air into it? You open some windows. And I want to leave you today with a couple of questions that can serve as opening the window, 
opening the conversation for someone to be a breath of fresh air to you. These questions actually aren't my questions. They're Amanda Carpenter's questions that I find very helpful. And here's a couple examples of them. And if you have a pen and pencil, this may be a great time to write it down or to be able to go to our website and be able to pick up these questions. But here's a couple. What's it like to be on the other side of me? Here's another one. What's it like? Oh, that's the same question. What inspires you about me? What bothers you about me? Or what do I not know about myself? All of these questions are questions that you could simply engage in by asking one person that you trust, one person that can serve as a breath of fresh air, the person that can help bring peace to your heart to be able to move you towards peace. All of these questions have the ability to open it up. Because here's what we do know. We know that 2020 is going to be a turning point of a year. We know that 2020 is going to be moments that we look back on. And this is the moment where we need to be thinking that the mission of God is not done or on pause in any way. The peace of God is not in every nook and cranny in the world right now, which means God's mission is still happening, and it's going to happen in different ways. The question is, are we going to listen to voices that help us know the direction that God's going? Are we going to listen to people who are a breath of fresh air because in 2020, we know this absolutely. We're fearful of other people's breath. A lot of us are out of breath as far as the turning points and trying to pivot in life. We still find that in this world, we don't see the value of divine breath that's in every person. We need to know that in 2020, that the world needs a breath of fresh air. And oh, child of God, you are the person who can bring that breath of fresh air because God's breath is working through the breath of each of us. So this week, may you be able to open up a conversation with someone. May you be open to hearing the ways of things you may not be able to see right now. May you find a person who's willing to speak into your life and maybe answer one of these questions. And before I send you today, I just want to remind you that if you just hang on after the sending, the Embodied Project will start and you'll get to hear from one of our elders and our baptism director on staff about what this project looks like. But I want to leave you with this sending first. May you seek the breath of God in the breath of others this week because God's breath is bringing wholeness and beauty. Hyland, may you go towards peace.